Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and I'm so excited to introduce Ashley Weeter, Artistic Director of the Joffrey Ballet and the Joffrey Academy of Dance. After a distinguished ballet career that included dancing with Nureyev and working with Ashton, Macmillan, Forsyth, Bindley, and many more, Ashley has been the Artistic Director for the Joffrey Ballet for about the last 12 years. Born in Scotland, he has recently been appointed by the Queen an MBE for his exceptional service in the UK in the field of performing arts. It's quite an accolade. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us from Chicago. Hi, Savannah. Great to, great to be with you. So, the, let's start with the accolade. This is quite the, the accolade from the Queen. Tell me about this. Um, it, it, is, it is incredibly, incredibly... Um, important for me like i i it was so unexpected um i got a phone call from the british consul general here in chicago um and who wanted to talk to me so i we we got onto the phone together she told me about it um you know i think it's a very lengthy process to to in order to end up being honored by her majesty the queen um i i'm just uh, so humbled um, I think to be recognized by your, your country of birth for the work that you have done elsewhere around the world is, is really, um, you know, it, it's just an amazing experience and I, I'm incredibly grateful, I'm incredibly proud um, of, of the UK for recognizing me for the work that I'm doing in America and elsewhere. And your distinguished career has really covered a, a, such a, a vast range of companies and um, but it's all really started back home for you which is you know you trained at the Royal Ballet School and then you went to dance with the London Festival Ballet which is now of course the English National Ballet. Tell me about that time. Um, you know I went right through the Royal Ballet School and it, and it was kind of an amazing time for me. I got to do a lot of work with the company, the main company um, and then when I joined the company um, at the Royal Ballet, I went on what was then Ballet for All, which they don't have anymore. But it was such a great training ground to be able to do a lot of Ashton, the Macmillan works, um, and just set me on a course that I, that I wanted more out of myself. And the opportunity to go to London Festival Ballet, which is now English National Ballet, as you said, um, and to work there with Rudolf Nuria, because Rudolf had just done uh, Romeo and Juliet. He had done A Sleeping Beauty for them. Um, it was a really great opportunity, and Beryl Gray was the um, artistic director at that time. Um, so I joined the company, and then shortly after that, John Field became the artistic director. And between John Field and Betty Anderton, Elizabeth Anderton, who is still teaching at the Royal Opera House, um, you know, they, they gave me so many opportunities. I got to work with Glenn Tetley, Andre Bukowski, uh, Rudolf Nureyev. I mean, it was really endless. Uh, and, and just, I mean, opportunity is everything. And, and so I was there for three years before I then made a big move across the world to Australia. 
And what was it like moving all the way to the other side of the world for you? Um, you know, it's like beginning again. I, I seem to have always wanted to keep challenging myself. Um, but I remember getting to Australia, getting to Melbourne, and um, I was going to take a little, quite a long rest because I'd been, I'd come straight from performing in London. Um, I was going to take about a 10-day vacation, but after a few days, I went into new class. Um, Dame Peggy Van Prague was still around. Marilyn Rowe was running the company. Um, and they um, cast me to do Albrecht. And so I went in and, and worked with uh, Dame Peggy Van Prague on, on her production of Giselle. I mean, amazing. And then from that, you know, Anne Williams was also there, who had been John Cranko's right hand. Um, and so working with Anne on Romeo and Juliet, on Jaegen, um, you know, just, like, again, amazing opportunities. And it was actually, and, sorry. No, I was just going to ask what it was like actually to work with those greats, particularly uh, Krenko, who is so important in you know, the European ballet scene and, and across the world back, yeah, I, back in the day. You know, I think that what was amazing about Anne Williams was that, you know, because she knew Krenko's work so well and she had worked so closely with him, that whole idea of, of having a reason about why you're doing what you're doing who is that character that you're, that you're playing? And so she would constantly ask many, many questions about her. And she was a stickler in a really nurturing way. Um, and I, I've always remembered my, my time with her because I thought it was really important. I think it kind of shaped me later on in my career because I was still really young at the time. Um, but just, you know, working with an amazing, talented, a group of people was really wonderful. And I, I think my years in Australia were, I've, they've always been close to my heart. Um, I still keep in touch with people from my time there. Um, I know David McAllister very well because we both danced in the company together. Um, so I love, I love that our world, the world of dance, the, world, the ballet world, um, it is a family and, it, and, we're, and we're close and I think we're really good about keeping in touch. You mentioned that when you went to Australia, you were quite young, but you had already been promoted to uh, principal at the age of 20 when you were with the London Festival Ballet. Yes. That's quite young. What was that transition like for you? Um, it, was, it was kind of nerve-wracking. I remember when it happened um, because John Field had done a new production of Swan Lake, um, and he was very, very ambitious. He put many different casts on. I think there were eight or nine casts that went on and did Swan Lake at the Coliseum in London. And, um, and so I did my performances there. Um, I had done a lot of kind of extra coaching. I really wanted this. I'd already done Sleeping Beauty by Rudolph. Um, I'd done Ronnie Hines' Nutcracker um, and, and a lot of other ballets, etudes, you know, they, they just kept coming. So I think that it was, it was kind of a, a huge step for me, um, a lot of responsibility. I think that sometimes like at a young age, you can carry a lot of pressure. And I seem to have always carried a lot of pressure as a person. So, um, you know, like my weight would drop to nothing because I just was like burning up my body. Um, but I think that over the years, I've learned to uh, stay on top of that. But it was, yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. 
Yeah, it sounds like you've had some incredible opportunities and worked with so many wonderful people. But after your time in Australia, you then made another move off to the Joffrey. I did. Um, you know, when, uh, when I was in Australia, um, uh, Gerald Alpino came out to Australia to set and work on his ballet, Sweet Sanson. And um, it's a group work, but within it, there is pas de trois and pas de deux. And, and so um, in Australia, uh, Jerry cast me to do the pas de trois and the pas de deux. So it became kind of a, a much bigger role. And um, he was just one of those very um, fun, very engaging Americans. And, and he, he, would, he would call everyone my baby, my baby. And, I, and so I remember him saying, you know, my baby, you need to come, you need to come meet Robert Joffrey. And so, um, you know, circumstances in my own personal life, my father not being well, I was traveling backwards and forwards to the UK to see him. I decided that I had to be closer. Not that I wanted to go back to the UK, but, but um, anyway, the result was everyone said, you should go to America. Go and see America. And I'd never been to America. Um, so I got on a plane and I came to New York and um, I met Robert Joffrey and I, and I saw Gerald Arpino again and I joined the Joffrey Ballet, which was really, really informative for me. I think because the Joffrey is a, is a different idea than any other ballet company. There is no ranking here. Um, it is an all-star, no-star company. Um, and, and Joffrey gave me like a huge amount of opportunities. One, the Joffrey Ballet at that time was one of the largest um, Ashton, uh, you know, carried the, the largest repertoire of Ashton in America. So the fact of being able to go back into doing The Dream and La Fille Magarde and Wedding Bouquet and Monotone 1 and 2 and the list went on and on and on um, was really a great great opportunity to rediscover Ashton's work um, as an older dancer, you know, more experienced dancer, um, along with Franco, because we also did Franco's Romeo and Juliet, Lady of the Fool, um, Taming of the Shrew, you know, a lot of work. And at the same time, there was Mark Morris, who was just making, uh, cutting his teeth on the dance scene. He came to the Joffrey. Um, of course, William Forsythe, who had danced with the Joffrey, came to the Joffrey. Uh, James Kedelka, Laura Dean, Twyla Tharp. Um, it, it was really uh, a whole different uh, education about, about a different way of running a company and a different way of being in a company. And, and I think that Robert Joffrey was a truly exceptional maverick. He was a maverick. Mm. And... Um, I, you know, I loved, I loved my time with him and it was a tragedy that he died so young. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I knew the company would never be the same. I think he, he was just, he was a, an unusual, unique person with a very unique um, perspective on dance. And so after he passed away, um, I was incredibly fortunate to um, have a conversation with Helgi Thomason. Uh, who is the director of uh, San Francisco Ballet. And I went out to San Francisco. I spent a week there. Um, I had been to San Francisco many times as part of the Joffrey, so I knew the city. 
Um, I knew the beautiful War Memorial Opera House there. Um, and so I, I joined the company and, you know, I think, I think Helgi has been an extraordinary director. Mm -hmm. um, he was, he gave me, he kind of gave me more in my career in terms of really exploring the Balanchine repertoire and the Robbins repertoire and having, you know, his own, also his own work, but he invited David Bindley at that time. So, you know, so many people came to some Scrivalli to do new work. So I was able to continue to grow as an artist, which I think, you know, to be challenged every day and to keep learning and growing um, is really the most you can ask for in a career. Um, and, uh, and so I, I finished my career there. I retired there. I had a, a very unfortunate accident. Um, it ended my career, but again, um, thanks to Helgi, um, he, he, he knew that he wanted me to stay there. So he said, you know, Ashley, whatever happens with your injury and the surgery that I had to have done, he said, you know, we will make sure that there is a place for you here. And he, and he was so good to his word. So, even with my um, my halo brace on my head and my upper body, um, you know, I I kind of got out of bed and I went to coach um, at San Francisco Ballet. So, you know, um, you know, I became a ballet master, um, and then I became Helgi's assistant, and 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 it was brilliant. It was really really brilliant. I I loved. I I, I owe him so much. And was that, was that a bit of a precursor to taking sort of more um, the different roles within the company, leading you to become an, an artistic director? I think so. I mean, I think that Helgi included me in everything. He included me kind of in casting ideas, in programming, in, you know, development, like going to many, many events and having to speak uh, publicly. Um, you know, I just felt that he nurtured me. And I, and I have to say that um, when I was asked to come to the Joffrey to meet the board um, with the, the opportunity of maybe becoming the artistic director here at the Joffrey, um, I, I don't think I could have been in a better position. And I really owe that to help you. Yeah, it sounds like you had you know, so many opportunities, but at a time where you were surrounded by with these incredible artists in these incredible companies, but you've gone on to create and further the Joffrey's work, of course. And tell me about your role over the last more than a decade um, leading the Joffrey Ballet. You know, it's, um, it was interesting because I hadn't, when I left the Joffrey to go to San Francisco Ballet, I hadn't really been back. And in, that, in those 20 years, the company had moved from New York, re-established itself in Chicago, um, and so I, I knew, I knew a lot about the company, but I hadn't really seen the company. And I think that when I came to the Joffrey in 2007, it was a very different company than the company that I had grown up in with Robert Joffrey. And, and I just, you know, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I was like, you know, there's a lot to be done here. This company needs to be revitalized and rebuilt. And, so part of my process of coming to meet the board and meet the company was to also teach the company. And I love to teach. 
So I taught the company and the response and the reception that I was given by the company um, brought an emotional impact um, to me. And I, and I just kept thinking about Robert Joffrey. And, and so the opportunity to follow in his and Gerald Alpino's footsteps was really, um, I, I, felt, I felt a responsibility. I felt an amazing love, an amazing responsibility. And so, you know, I, I have been here now 13 years. Um, you know, we have built our own home here in Chicago. We have built our own academy, the Academy of Dance, which is the official school for the company here in Chicago. Um, we have uh, an outstanding, outstanding company of really talented individuals. We have, um, you know, increased our repertoire, increased our performances. Um, and so, you know, it, it's to be able to sit here today and say that as a company, we have no debt. It's quite something. It's, it really is quite something. And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm really proud of our board of directors and the entire administration here. Greg Cameron, who is our CEO and president, um, is truly like to have a partner to work with. Um, you know, it is all of us together. And I feel like the way we, the way we do business, the way the, we talk and plan, it is a very inclusive environment. And so, you know, we've we've done great things um, on a on a on a lean shoes thing. Um, but I think that's how the arts are going to survive. Yeah, absolutely. to be honest. Um, and, and what do you think over the last 13 years has been your greatest challenge as the artistic director or if that's too, too large to you know, period of time, what, over the last you know, few years, what do you find is the greatest challenge that you've been facing? I think the greatest challenge was really getting rid of the debt. You know, when you, when you carry millions of dollars of debt with you, it's a ball and chain. It's not attractive. It's very hard to go to other funders and say, you know, we need your support, but we've also got this huge debt. And I think that, um, you know, I've always believed as a director that we need to earn our money at the box office. You know, so the quality of the company, like pushing the company to a higher level, um, both technically, but also artistically, giving them the kind of repertoire that would educate, encourage, and nurture them. Also, the same to nurture our audience in Chicago and build our audience has been, um, has been a beautiful challenge. And, and when Greg Cameron came to the Joffrey, um, he took all the ball and chain and all the hard financial problems, and we, we had a plan. And, you know, once that went away, you know, then you could go and talk to people about the long vision of the company and where we want to be. And so, you know, um, having been able to recreate a new Nutcracker with Christopher Wilden, you know, last year we did a brand new world premiere of Anna Karenina by Yuri Pozikov with a commission score by Ilya Demunsky. We have so many people coming in the door. Kathy Marston, we just did her beautiful Jane Eyre, which was incredibly successful here in Chicago. Andrew McNichol, who is a young British choreographer, came and did a beautiful work last year. Andrea Walker, um, 
you know, Stephanie Martinez. There are, there are so many people coming to work with the, with the Joffrey. Wayne McGregor has been here. Um, and I think that, you know, when I came here, there was this idea that Chicago was not a dance town. Interesting. Have, yeah, very interesting. And I would have to say that um, to many people, it is definitely a dance town. And, and I think there are a lot of people to credit with that. And, and some of those people are Woody La Lubavitch um, and Jay um, Frankie, who started the Chicago Dancing Festival. Every summer, you know, thousands and thousands of people came to be all these different companies from all across the world for free. Um, and I think it built an appetite for, for what we have today. Yeah, most definitely the reputation for the Chicago dance scene has certainly grown over you know the last several years yeah. on the international world stage, which is so fantastic. Yeah, no, it's been really great. And, you know, I think that we're halfway through our season. We're about to open a, a new program, which has um, Christopher Wilden, Justin Peck, Stephanie Martinez, Idzik Galili on it. So, you know, I think that... Um, there, there is a lot of great things happening here. And, uh, and for all your um, listeners and your viewers, uh, next year we move to the Lyric Opera House and become, you know, um, that will become our permanent home. Uh, so it's a beautiful venue. It's allowed us to do a lot of, uh, a lot of new thinking. Um, so I think that next year we have a hugely ambitious season, but also an amazing season. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. That rep, the roster, sounds incredible. Tell me about the dancers in your company. As you say, you're a company that doesn't have a hierarchy, which is quite unusual. That's quite unusual. How does it work? Um, you know, I think it works. I think it works really well. I think that you have to understand it and, and accept it. And I think that, you know, we have dancers from 17 different countries. Um, I think that I've always believed in opportunity and I think that that came uh, to me at a very, very young age from being in the UK, from working with uh, people that gave me opportunity. I've, I want to give that opportunity to dancers today. So um, when someone comes to work with the company, they, have, they, have, uh, who, they, they choose whoever they feel is right for their work. And I think that, um, you know, I try to give opportunities so there are like always at least three casts of everything that we do. And we rotate um, uh, casting a lot. So it gives everyone the opportunity to really shine. And so if I, if I think about a season, I would say that over 60% of the company will have done a lead role. And I think that that keeps people engaged it keeps them wanting to work hard because they know the opportunity is going to be there. Um, and I think that in, in the world, the way the world is today, social media, um, you know, people get their recognition. You know, there are not so many people writing reviews every day of the week anymore. So if you get one review, you're lucky. But I think social media and, and people being acknowledged for their work and their talent is, is really important. And so I think that, you know, there, there definitely are leading dancers of the Joffrey Ballet. Um, it's just that we don't have a ranking system. 
And it's really, it's really nice to be able to see your favourite dancers in, in, you know, their lead roles, but it's also great to be able to discover new dancers that you may not have known before by giving them, by them having an opportunity to perform in those lead roles. So as an audience member, it also will add variety, I'm sure, to people's experience. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, our subscribers, and there are a lot of people that follow the company, and so they, they've now been able to witness, you know, a lot of dancers that came through the academy at a young age into the company and, and really track their careers. And it, it's, yeah, it's wonderful that they get that kind of support. And what type of dancers appeal to you as the artistic director? What do you look for? Um, I know that's a, a tough one. I, I think of a, a Yuri Posikov's answer. When I, someone said to Yuri once, what do, you, what do you look for in a dancer? He said, I look for really good dancers. <laughs> you know, I, I, think that, um, I think that the one thing that Robert Joffrey taught me was that talent comes in many shapes and sizes. So the Joffrey has never been a one-look company. Um, we've had really tall dancers, small dancers. Um, but I think that there are key things. I think, obviously, facility technique is a very important thing. But artistry has to be there. And artistry is an innate thing that we carry with us. Um, I think musicality is essential to the art form. Um, and, and to understand music is really important to me. Um, and I think, you know, I, I want to be surrounded by good people. So I think you have to be a good person and you have to be a really great dancer. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I couldn't agree more. I think um, being great at anything, you should also be a good person, which, you know, I think uh, adds to the authenticity. Yeah. and the positivity that someone can bring to a team. Looking at, yeah, and looking over your career and your role, what have been some of the greatest moments for you? What are some real highlights that uh, I can't believe I'm asking that after you've just given me that incredible sort of, you know, look back into your career, but what really stands out for you in your role? Um, gosh. I don't know, there's, there's many, there, and there are many at different times. I mean, I think, I do think that when I did my first Sleeping Beauty, which was Nuriev's production, which is really hard, really hard. Um, but I think having someone like Rudolph behind you, pushing you to demand more of yourself was really an important, really important role for me. And I've always loved Sleeping Beauty, but I also think having worked with, you know, having created works by David Bindley was really magical for me. Um, I think working with Helgi Thomason, I think working with William Forsyth, um, you know, I, I feel really lucky that yeah. I just, I mean, just so many, Glenn Tetley was an amazing, I mean, I remember doing Sphinx uh, by Glenn Tetley and and I, I was the baby in the room, and and to have those kind of giants in our world nurture you, um, yeah, you you can't you can't ever forget that. They're they're really magical moments. But I I would say for for all of everything that I've done, I think being a director has been the greatest reward to see a new generation of dancers 
um, get opportunity and grow and nurture them um, and see the maturity that they bring with their roles and to see them, they will be the next generation of teachers and directors and choreographers. And so if we can create a, a world, a culture that is really about the art form, then we're, we're in pretty good hands that it's going to keep thriving. You mentioned the next generation of dancers and we already touched on social media. Well, what are the, the differences and the, the challenges that are coming for this new generation or, or what do you think they expect of you and of you know, other artistic directors who are leading at the moment you know, this industry? How can we make it you know, more appealing or more fulfilling for them? I think, I think that as an artist, you've got to be true to the, to the form. You know, I think that, I, I mean, there are pluses and minuses for social media. You know, you can create a world of your own <laughs> that, that, that's made you out to be like the greatest thing that ever happened. Um, but I think that if you, if you want to succeed, you have to respect the, the, the art form and what it takes to be a really good dancer. And that means you respect the studio, you respect your fellow dancers, you respect the work. You know, you're, and I always say to the company, you're not going to like everything you do, but the reason that you're a professional is because you know how to make the best of it. And so I think that you have to every day go back to square one of why you wanted to do this in the first place. And you have to kind of shut the noise out because there's a lot of noise. And you know, I think because of social media, people hear, you know, what people should be doing or, or, you know, how terrible it is that they didn't get this role or that role or whatever, whatever. And, and you have to, I, I, I just think you have to respect, you have to respect that, um, that I'm their director and I respect them for the artists that they are. And I think that to have a very open, uh, community relationship with your company, is really important and I think that I think there's room for, for everyone to to get what they want um, but it has to have respect. And with the next generation you mentioned your love of teaching as well and you are the artistic director of the Joffrey Dance Academy. Tell me about that role and are you, are you still teaching? I am. I am actually. Um, it's it's been really good. I mean, a year ago I had a, a lot more spinal surgery, but it's been incredibly successful. So I am really happy that I'm back in the studio, and I feel really good. And so um, the kind of the the way I see it here at the Joffrey is that the school and the company are all in one building, and I have an incredible team of ballet masters, and so including myself, we all teach in the academy and we teach the company. And so every week we're either teaching the company or the academy and at different levels in the academy. And I think that it's really important for the academy to be able to look up. And I think it's also great for the company to be able to see, uh, you know, what's coming up. So it's been really a win-win situation. Uh, Raymond Rodriguez, who's the head of our academy, um, he and I, you know, talk a lot about the, the technique and the training. Uh, Karen Wentz, who's head of our uh, junior pre-professional program, 
you know, we're, we're really a team um, and we just appointed a new head of our studio company, Jose Carriol. So um, we're really thrilled to have him here. And I think again, it's like, it's not ever working in a silo, but it's working collectively for the greater good of what we want. What we want a dancer to come out of a school um, and ready for a company. So tell me then, what is your vision for the next five years uh, for the company? Um, so moving to the Lyric Opera House has given us um, kind of a, a fantastic slate to create on. So I can tell you that in the next five years, we will be creating uh, three new world premieres of full-length ballet um, amongst uh, many other short new works and bringing repertoire to Chicago that, that Chicago has not seen. So I think it's the balance of, you know, bringing existing work, creating new work. Um, I think that for any great artist in their life, to have something created on you is a, is a really important, really important part of our art form. So I'm very committed to that. Um, hopefully um, I, I, along with my um, partner, Greg Cameron, and our team here, we're going to be able to um, raise the resources that we need to make sure that the Joffrey has a future that is very stable. And right now that future looks really promising. Um, and I think that just having, having a, a vision into the future of stability um, and that, you know, when I do decide to retire, um, that there is stewardship there, that the next generation can take on a company that, has, that is solid. Yeah, that's so You know, artistically, financially, um, and with a global reputation. Well, Sounds like you don't probably need another five years to get there, but <laughs> it sounds like you've, you've done an amazing job um, over the last 13 years. So my final question then, and you touched on it a little bit before, but what advice would you give to dancers today, and particularly those who may be thinking in that actually taking on a role of an artistic directorship would be something they'd like to do in their future? I mean, I think for for anybody today is that you have got to love the art form. You've got to really look at it. And I think that the idea of, you know, being a one trick pony, um, it just isn't going to cut it. But to dive into your work and dive into your roles and, and become, you know, become that human being that is a great artist and a great dancer, I think that's where you want to go because being an artist carries you through a career and being a trick artist is only good for a certain part of that career. And, and so, you know, I, my advice is that you embrace everything and you find the positivity in all the work that you're given. That sounds like absolutely amazing advice. So I just want to thank you so much uh, for thank taking the time too. out of what is clearly a very, very busy schedule. Um, but the, the next year's program looks very exciting. 2020, big year. Yeah. Big year. So big for year. listeners, year. 
Yes, absolutely. So for listeners and for viewers, make sure you check out the company's website for more information and for those incredible performances that are coming up at joffrey.org. Thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah, thank you so much, Savannah. A happy new year. Let's, uh, let's make 2020 the wonderful world of them. Oh, you're adorable. I love you. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.